Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, learn how M. Strat spent three years in a large consulting firm before making the jump to a middle market private equity firm. Learn about the recruiting process for consulting out of undergrad, how he leveraged two internship offers to get into the city and group he wanted, how to position yourself for private equity recruiting coming from a consulting background, and what resources he used to land the offer. Hint, you might have heard of it before. Enjoy. All right, M. Strat, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Patrick. To be great if you could just give listeners a quick summary of your bio. Sure. I went to a, a Target School, Top 25, um, studied math uh, and economics. Um, from there, I uh, interned my junior year at a, a big consulting company, think you know, De- Deloitte, Accenture, um, PwC, and I interned there that uh, senior summer, and then I came back for a full-time offer. I've been there for about three and a half to four years. It's been a, a great, great experience. Um, I've been working uh, in cost restructurings, revenue growth, financial transactions. So um, it's it's been a been a wild ride, but I've learned a lot. I've looked at it as like a mini business school experience. Uh, most recently, though, I've made the transition to uh, to private equity. I've recently accepted an offer from a lower uh, middle. Uh, firm and in based in New York City, and I'm um, looking to uh, share that knowledge with the folks about how uh, I made that you know slightly difficult transition from management consulting to private equity. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I think um, we probably this is episode 101, by the way. I think we've, we've probably had a few people who've made that jump, but not that many. And so I think it's useful to get some other perspectives. I appreciate you kind of sharing this. So let's go all the way back to your undergrad days. Um, you're studying math and econ. It was was kind of consulting always on the radar. When when did you kind of think, hey, this is this is for me? Or like, was it more like, oh, your peers kind of told you this is a good place to be, and by junior year, you're, it, you just applied with everybody else and kind of fell into it. Yeah, I think peers definitely uh, were a big factor, but I, I wasn't in the business school. I think in the business school, everybody's always thinking banking, banking, banking. Mm-hmm. Um, so my peers weren't there. Some of them were, you know, interning at Fortune 500 companies. Others were maybe even going the academic route. Um, so I was attracted to consulting though, because, you know, I was really interested in, in working with and eventually becoming a C-suite executive at a fortune 500 company. I wanted that exposure to, um, working with clients, right. Traveling, having that, uh, you know, a bit of extravagant, uh, lifestyle. Um, but I also, uh, was very attracted to the skill set that I wanted to learn, which really was two foundational pillars. I wanted to, of course, be a, an Excel monkey, have that skill set, but as well, 
on top of that, I wanted to also be able to present to clients really and, and have real meaningful relationships with clients and, and be comfortable um, in those situations. And, you know, on top of that, I love to travel. So it was just a natural fit for me. Yeah. And when you um, kind of came into your so sophomore year, you knew like you wanted to do management consulting already. Like when did you kind of think this is what I'm going to do? Or was it more like you were applying to like corporate finance, you know, for uh, FDL, FLDP programs, stuff like that, like during your junior year as well? No, I, yeah, I didn't apply to any uh, corporate finance as much. I, I knew I wanted to get, um, you know, either a consulting or banking career cool. uh, out of school. Um, but yeah, I was more attracted to the consulting lifestyle and the consulting uh, ways of working. So it, it just felt like a natural fit at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about like the, the recruiting. So they, they're coming on campus similar to banking. They're doing like the first round phone, like first round interviews. And then I assume it's a lot of very uh, case interview heavy. Yeah, it was. It was. So of course it was uh, on campus recruiting. You know, there's a hundred kids showing up for each of the companies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, intro sessions where everybody's fighting to get that business card. So, so that was a lot, but um, you know, after that, after securing a few, did you fight for the business cards? Were you able to elbow your way in or did you kind of hang back and try to play it more cool? I, I played it more cool. I actually found one, I kind of was uh, stepping back away from, you know, how there's always circles of like 10 or 15 students around these professionals. Mm -hmm. um, my strategy was kind of hanging back and, and kind of waiting for them to be either heading towards the refreshments or, uh, you know, making a move that was away from the crowd and kind of catching them there. I caught one of them, got his card, uh, and that's, that's how I got into the first round. Very cool. And do you feel like if you didn't have that card or didn't get that, you would have still had a first round interview or no? Um, tough to say with this firm specifically that I'm at, you know, anything's possible, but I'm confident that, uh, you know, I had other, other first rounds without meeting anybody. So it would have worked out, but with this firm okay. specifically, that's just, that's just how it played out. So how many consulting firms do you feel like you applied to in your, you know, leading in your junior year going for that internship? Was this sophomore? Uh, and tell me what, like, the recruiting cycle. Was it sophomore year you were dropping resumes for the junior year internship? Or was it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, like, sophomore fall. Mm -hmm. um, we were having Absolutely. some. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were the intro sessions. And then, you know, I remember I was on spring break when I accepted the offer. So the interviews were probably early in, this, in the second semester. Of sophomore year. Yeah. Sophomore for junior year. summer. Yeah, exactly. So what were you doing sophomore or summer? Um, sophomore summer, I was at uh, a fixed income fund, um, just, you know, kind of in their reporting, um, FP&A work, you know, just kind of getting some sea legs in the, in the workforce. And sure. uh, yeah, it wasn't really exactly what I wanted, but it was it's just fine. an internship yeah. for the resume, you know. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. So, okay, so you get, um, you get the offer. Tell me a little bit about like how many resume drops you did, what the what the resume drops to kind of first round interviews looked like. Was it like 20 resume drops and like five first round interviews or was it like higher? And then um, did you have multiple internship offers? It was like, were you like hanging on to that last round and this was the one that came through and you were, you were psyched or tell me about that. Yeah, sure. You count resume drops as like online through OCR or yeah, just those yeah, through, through OCR. Oh, well, then, I mean, with that in mind, then I probably did like a hundred. Okay. Right? I went through and just like dropped my name anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I just wanted as many opportunities as possible, as many offers as possible. Yeah. Um, I probably had about, uh, was it only consulting though, or are you bank dropping to banking everything? No, I didn't really, I didn't really, I wasn't attracted to banking. So, um, I don't want to say I didn't resume drop, but mostly yeah. consulting firms and just, 
uh, even corporate finance roles, even though I knew I wasn't as interested. I just kind of wanted to get as many options in front of me as possible. And I think that's smart, even if it's not for the offers, even if it's for the interview reps. Um, I think it's super. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I even, I just wanted as many interview reps as possible, meet as many people as possible because similar to what we talk about later with, with the private equity process, you just got to get in front of as many people as possible. Cool. Okay. So you're doing the drop. So say a hundred first, how many first rounds (laughs) do you think you had like 20 or 10? Uh, probably 15 to 20. And then came back for about five full processes, two of which I was really interested in. One was my last firm. Mm -hmm. I got an offer from another and then kind of used that other offer to uh, push my way into this current firm. So tell me how you did that. So you got two internship offers, basically? Exactly. Um, around the same time, around spring break, or right after you got, got back from spring break? Sophomore yeah, year. right before spring break, I got another. And then during spring break, I got an offer from my current firm, but it was for DC and a group that I didn't like. So mm-hmm. what I did was... I kind of just used that other offer and said, hey, well, they're offering me, you know, New York City and in this group. So what can you do to match that? And they ended up adjusting and bringing me to New York and getting me into the group I wanted. So that's how I used it. But how did you, how did you like phrase it? Did you say, how can you match that? Or did you say, is there any, did you do it in a way that was more kind of soft? Like, is there any way you might be able to get me into New York or da, da, da? Yeah. So, I mean. That's four years ago, so it's tough to remember the exact yeah. uh, wording. Because I think lingo. That, I think you got to be careful, right? Because you don't want if if you want to go to like firm A and 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 firm B is giving you like, you know, the kind of the location you want, but firm A is kind of the play that the firm you want. It can be tricky, right? Um, Absolutely. So like I maybe, just felt like I had nothing to lose, right? Because I already had an offer, right? Uh, and it was an internship, so I could always come back senior year and and go through this whole process again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, looking back, maybe I was a bit too aggressive. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. No, it's fine. I mean, like you said, you had nothing to lose. So you said, you know, is there any way you can match this somehow or whatever? Like, and they said, yes, they were like, sure. Yeah. Oh, they can't, it was a back and forth probably for about 48 hours. And then I also, um, had a secondary connection who was at the firm and he was kind of giving me advice and actually encouraging me to be a bit aggressive because they would respect that. That's what mm-hmm. the, the advice I got. Um, so that's kind of what pushed me to, right. yeah, be a bit sh- uh, strong arm in the process. So anything else you, you negotiated besides going to New York, a specific group you wanted to be in? Yeah, specific. Well, really it was New York first. Um, yeah. I, I just, that's why I wanted to be. I knew that. And because I already had another offer in New York, it was just a, an easy thing to push for. Um, the group, yeah. So within my company, there is, uh, you know, there's strategy, there's, um, what you would consider, you know, like management consulting, there's technology, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. And at the time, my school was recruiting for all of them. So you didn't really know um, which, which group you were going for, which was very confusing at the time. And they placed me in a group that I didn't really want to be in, right? I wanted to be in strategy. And I had the strategy offer from the other firm. So I was like, okay, I need to be in strategy. And I want to be in New York. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I kind of landed. Tell me why you wanted to be in strategy versus the other groups. And if you can tell me a little bit more about the other groups and why you kind of, when you had that leverage, why you used it to get into strategy, what was your thought process? Yeah. So my, my thought process was, I don't know how long I'm going to be in consulting, right? I don't know uh, how many, how many years I want to do this. I know banking and consulting, everybody gets burned out. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be in the strategy group because the projects were uh, shorter sprints. They allowed me to meet more clients, develop new skills, um, and kind of just have a, a faster pace and a, I thought a higher growth trajectory at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some other groups, you may be on a project for like six to eight, like six to eight months. 
And granted, you might learn so much on that project that may be great for you. But, you know, as a young undergrad, I was like, okay, I want to be exposed to as many different companies, as many different industries as possible, right? Because I didn't really have a, a fix on which industry or which group, you know, necessarily or which um, function I really wanted to be aligned to. Uh, yeah, you so want it, reps. You want reps. I wanted reps, man. That's what it was. And, yeah. and I knew that the strategy was reps compared to other groups. So when you started kind of getting before this whole interview process where were you um had you found wall street oasis at that point did you know we had a consulting course <laughs> no no not at all i didn't yeah. uh, i didn't uh know about wso maybe i like casually looked at it like during yeah, yeah. my our google searches that we all make um but no i really didn't dive into wso until probably about a year ago Okay, cool. So you're, you're basically um, probably studying like the traditional guides, like the case in points in the world and that type of stuff or the, um, any other courses or stuff you'd recommend for people? Uh, what did I take back then? I think there was a, um, a Harvard business school, like case packet. There was a Ross um, in Michigan case packet. Cool. Um, and I also had a McKinsey and a Bain one, um, just like through the networks at my school. So you know, I found two or three other people who were interviewing for consulting firms and, and we just kind of dove into it together for about like a month straight in that's preparation. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Doing the, getting the reps and doing the mock interviews is painful, but it's like so important. So you're ready. Um, okay. So you're, you're going in, do you get the offers? You, you use some leverage with two offers, which is, which is cool. Um, you get into the strategy group, which you want at the firm you want. And then tell me what it's like. What's the internship like? The internship was um, high profile, big company. It was going through a massive change. It was struggling. And, and this, uh, my firm was brought in to really kind of turn them around and, and especially their cost base. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was cool. I got to travel to Chicago. It was um, a great team. Um, it was, you know, I got to meet great people, get responsibility. And also they treated the interns really well and like took us on a couple of different trips, like mm-hmm. on some weekends to really sell us. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I really left that summer just thinking, you know, this is, this is the type of work I want to be doing in, in the, in, in this environment. So I was very happy with it. Nice. And so when did you know, um, in terms of how many, first question, how many kind of other interns were there uh, in that group with you? would you say? Um, in New York, I guess. Oh, in New York, it was probably about 25. Okay. And do you know how but, much, what the percentage of the people that got offers that came back? Was it most of you? Um, probably, I would say at least, at least 15 of us came back. Um, I'd probably say close to 20 of us got offers. I don't remember many more than a handful not getting one. Yeah. I would say once you got the internship, you really, it was your offer to lose. Why do you say that? Just because the people who didn't get the offers kind of just either checked out or just didn't want it. You think tough to say, cause they weren't on my project. Yeah. Um, but from what I heard, like through the grapevine, mm-hmm. um, they just, those, the people who didn't get offers just weren't stepping up to the plate right away. And I think as an intern, you know, you're not expected to do a lot. You're not expected to come in and like produce a ton of value, but you just have to have the right attitude as like a go-getter willing to, you know, stay up late, complete a, you know, very, very, simple task that is probably time consuming repetitive repetitive yeah. database work excel work yeah i got it um, exactly and you just have to be willing to step up and do it and then at the same time you also if like the md says let's get a drink at like tuesday at 11 p.m in the hotel lobby like you got to go to that too yeah right? so you got to be a combination of like all hands on deck ready to step up and do very simple 
mind-numbing things, but then also what they always say, pass the airport test, right? And, and being cool and somebody that we could see ourselves working with. Yeah. Um, and that's more of that is from now I'm on the other side, right? And I see interns come in and that's, that's where I've learned all that. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, oftentimes you get people thinking they can just schmooze and not do the work or you get people who think they can just do the work and not schmoo- and not the schmoozing and or the, <laughs> the network. You gotta, yeah. It's a really very delicate balance. Very delicate balance. Yeah. you got to do both and try to develop a good rep. Okay. So you obviously got the offer. You tell me about um, any other kind of shopping the offer and any time you were given. You were given thirty days to kind of accept. What was the what was the timeline looking like? Yeah, it was pretty short. Uh, it was it was probably by the end of October, maybe mid October. I had so the my internship ended probably the second week of August. I think that yeah, that makes sense. Two months they oh, probably had bad. it. No, it really wasn't bad. The only thing was recruiting didn't really start until like the first week of October. And they know that. <laughs> of course they do. So you have to have a really good idea that you're going to get another offer or else you kind of just have to take this one. I, I yeah. was comfortable with it. As I said, I really liked my experience and I thought it was a great place to start my career. So I had no regrets, but I could see how other people would be a little annoyed with that. Was there a signing bonus? Yeah, there was. Do you mind sharing around? What it was yeah, it was, it was 10K. 10, yeah, okay. Um, and then specifically, so you're kind of, going into now your junior year or sorry your senior year senior year yeah super happy because you have a job <laughs> yeah it was probably the greatest like nine months of my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so um kind of getting ready or starting at this large consulting firm tell me um what was it like what was the hardest part when you first kind of hit hit the desk when you were put on your first engagement um and tell me about like the dynamics of who you were placed with. Like, is there a staffer like there is in banking? Um, and how fast were those initial kind of um, engagements? Where is it like one month? Did you get stuck on something that was four months? I'd love to hear just a little bit of that. Yeah, no, that's, that's important because um, at my firm, of course, there's what you would call a staffer. Um, but he or she is, is less going to assign you to roles and more just going to make sure that you're chargeable and staffed. So you have a lot of leeway and a lot of room to maneuver so that you can kind of choose your first project and kind of network with the, the groups or industries that you're uh, most interested in. Mm. So I thought that was a cool thing at my firm, but at the same time, at the end of the year, if you wasted too much time getting on a project and you just weren't on projects long enough and you know, the percent that you're on a project is very low, Mm. then I know people that, that got, that got let go after that first year. Um, so I was aware of that because I had interned and people kind of warned me. Um, so within two weeks, I was staffed um, with the same group that I interned with. But tell me, go back to that a little bit. So sure. some people had been let go the previous year because you're saying that they didn't have enough billable hours, like the percentage. Because exactly. They kind of they waffled a little bit about what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, so it's tough. It's tricky because you can come in and the business could be slow and there's just not a lot of opportunities for you. But at the end of the day, you're responsible to get, let's say, 80% billable hours, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't matter if you're a first year or second year, you need to you know, hit that target or else you're going to be considered um, to be you know, let go at the end of the fiscal year. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And, and so me, when you started, how many people were let go? What percentage of like the analysts that joined? Uh, we came in with like 25. So I would say like only like two or three will let go yeah. for that reason. But still, that's oh, like, like... 10%, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. So yeah, it keeps people honest. 
you can't mess around. It's tricky sometimes. Well, we always say bench life and consulting is like the best life, but you know, you gotta, you can't stay on it too long or else you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. It's interesting. So like, I guess to me, it's kind of foreign cause I was in banking and it was like, there was no bench ever. It was like, you know, gun to your head, like fire drills, nonstop 24 seven, like not sleeping. Whereas like, I get it. Like something comes to an end and then there's kind of this break tell me like, is there, is an internal like database or something where people are like saying we need an analyst for this, this, and this, and you're kind of looking through that and putting your hat in the rink. Like how does that whole assignment process work? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. I think it's a little tricky, but think mm-hmm. of it first. Imagine I would say the bench life is equivalent to like that break moment that you had, but like probably much longer. Okay. And uh, when you're there um, and you, you aren't on a project, if somebody, you know, were to ask you to, to join theirs, um, you have to have a good reason. You can't just say, I don't want to get staffed on this. I'm not interested. You can't say that. As an analyst, you need to be able to say, hey, well, I'm actually waiting to join you know, XYZ project and I'm very interested in this industry, so I'd prefer to join this one. And if you have like a strong answer like that and your career counselor can kind of back you up, then it's, it's doable. But you can't know. You can't just kind of sit at home and say, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. Yeah. Or else the staffers, you know, in our language would would just assign you anyway. So you need to be working at it, have your own pipeline of, of projects that you're interested in. Yeah. And if you do it right, you can, you can really like cultivate your, the, your career the way you want to. Well, what would you suggest for people like as you're trying to map that and decide what projects they're on? What would you suggest for somebody who's looking to get to the buy side, looking to get to you know, private equity like you successfully transition? What types of deals should they be looking? What kind of projects should they be looking at? Yeah. So I think, um, cost restructurings are a skill that you must have. Mm-hmm. Um, just like being able to, you know, speak the language with private equity guys about, you know, what are we going to do to this company once we buy it? And I think that's the attractiveness of hiring a consultant. Um, first is knowing that, you know, after perhaps his financial skills aren't compared to a banker, but once we have this company, he's going to know what to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to make sure that we can return an investment. So mm-hmm. I'd say cost restructuring is helpful. If you can get on M and A deals, which it depends on the firm, it depends on who has a strong practice, but if you can get on some acquisitions where maybe the consulting firm is doing due diligence of the target, mm-hmm. right? That that is helpful and kind of showing that you can assess a potential target um, is critical. Um, I know, like you know, Bain has their P, uh, PE practice that does that. So if you can get on projects like that, then I think it's a good transition. Um, and just being close to uh, the financials at the same time, right? So. So either working in like the finance practice, right, or it depends on each firm, but, but being close to the financial statements. So, so it's not like you're picking up a whole new language when you begin studying for your next career transition. You have to be, you have to, I feel like you have to build a bit of a track record that you know how to analyze financials. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, I mean, you, I think that's one of the, probably the biggest struggle for consultants is to convince PE firms that they have the financial chops to be able to handle it, Right terms of building an LBO model. So tell me how you prepared. I think we talked offline and I know how you prepared, but <laughs> yeah, this sure. is not an advertisement, but yeah. <laughs> I did, uh, I did purchase the WSO, uh, PE course and, and, you know, completed it front to back. Um, that was great. I also took, um, CFI corporate finance Institute has, um, some, a good finance basics course that got me, got my chops ready to then go on to the WSO course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was helpful. Um, on top of that, I was reading, I was reading reports, right? I was reading like, what's the, like the Bain private equity uh, industry report they release every February. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting a sense of that. Um, 
and we'll get into the networking, but then also chatting with professionals because they know a lot better. They know a lot more than any report's going to tell you. And, and that just started to get me into the mode of thinking like them and thinking what they would want to see on my resume or in my experience. So you were in consulting for almost four years, correct? Is yeah, that's right. Be four so, years this September. Tell me when you started kind of thinking of this, you know, you had been promoted to senior analyst and then, um, you know, a title to strategy consultant. And so when were you thinking of um, actually making the shift? And what, so when did you start the whole process and then how long did it take you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I had the, the first promotion the first year, I got a second, the second year, and then I was like, okay, those are great, good, quick promos. Now it's time to think about what I want to do. And I would say about there, about two and a half years in mm -hmm. is when I started thinking, you know, what I really want to be is an investor. So, you know, to me, I started kind of working backwards and saying, okay, so if I want to be, you know, a private equity investor, what do I have to build? What skills do I need? What projects do I need? And that's after that, that second promotion to effectively associate is where I started trying to really craft my story in the long term. And then I would say in my third year uh, is when I started really digging in and building the skill sets. So like six months after that is when I really started building um, the skill sets and, and taking your course and, and everything else. And in terms of, let's talk about just how you started building uh, your network in the, in the space or how you started talking with recruiters. When did you start? When did you feel like you were ready to kind of start um, talking with companies? And like, when did you feel like, okay, this is right. Was it a couple months of prep? Was it just a month? No, no, no. So let me, yeah, I'll run you through the timeline. So it was yeah. like June, June, I took, June and July, I took these two courses, started really um, digging into them. And then probably September, I was trying to just churn out LBO models really quickly mm -hmm. and just build like one a day. Mm -hmm. And that was a goal I set for myself, just keep building one, doing it in under a half hour, depending how big it is, under an hour. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just getting ready for that. And I didn't, until I was done with that, um, I wasn't even ready to start reaching out to like second degree contacts and really cold calling people because I felt like I was wasting their time if I wasn't ready to go. Yeah. Um, so by October, that's when I really started laying the foundation for like building the network, building that funnel and, uh, and being ready to pounce on those leads when they came through. Okay. And so how did you go about building that funnel? Were you using LinkedIn basically just like second degree connections, um, alum, what were you doing? Yeah. So, um, first started with like first degree connections, my friends who were already in the space or who were in mm -hmm. finance and just like, you know, always asking people for advice because you never ask, and everybody's always talked about this on this blog, on this podcast, but you never ask for advice. You always ask for, or sorry, you never ask for a favor. You never ask for a connection. You always ask for advice. Mm -hmm. And, and people I think are very, um, open to and very happy to give advice. So when you ask them that you're very, you're more likely to get, um, a response that's helpful and that's, and that'll actually, you know, progress you. And then oftentimes they offer to help anyways. Exactly. If you don't <laughs> ask, then they might jump the gun. But if you don't ask and they don't offer, they were never going to help you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Okay. So you're, um, so you're basically starting to build this network. You're feeling confident about your LBO modeling skills at this point, uh, your financial modeling skills. And did you feel like you had enough client or you know, I'll call deal, I'll call them deal reps, but enough client experience where you could speak intelligently about the financials of the, of your clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah. I think it's all about just speaking a different language, right? It's, you know, consultants don't call them like cost restructurings. They call them like 
enterprise transformations, right? And mm-hmm. and like on, on Wall Street, they'll probably talk more about a cost restructuring and that's what they'll refer to. Um, yeah. So like, like an example like that, I would say trying to change your, your resume from like consulting lingo to financial lingo and really taking like zooming out on your engagement and looking at what's like the big picture. What was the CFO or the CEO trying to accomplish and how does that tie back to their financials? Because at the end of the day, that's what each engagement's about, right? They're, they're ultimately trying to boost their top line or their bottom line with you. So if you can, if you can kind of zoom out and, and just, and just rephrase or, or restructure your experience to kind of be along those guardrails. Yeah. Just getting, making sure you have the right buzzwords and all that stuff. Um, Cool. So you're, so you're basically trying to make a very tough transition. Consultants notoriously have a tough time um, in breaking their private equity um, unless they're at like a, the bane to the world. Um, and even then I think it's still harder than um, the typical like target investment banks that all these recruiters just flock to every year, mm-hmm. two years, two years early, by the way, before the kids even start um, their recruiting. That's so, outrageous. I don't, I don't understand. So yeah, so kids are getting, yeah, they're getting, they're getting out of training and then they're getting hit up by recruiters literally in their job isn't supposed to end. For and they don't know how to do anything yet. So exactly. So, you know, you're coming into this kind of very much off cycle, very much, much later in the process. You're older um, at this point you know, you're like a veteran at this point. For yeah, no, it's true. true. Um, so were you, were you intentionally targeting lower middle market private equity firms? Were you just being realistic? Like the mega funds aren't going to look at me and that they're, it's such a structured process or, or what was the thought process around that? Yeah, I think it's a number of factors, but you know, when I really started, it was, when I really started like, you know, looking actively, it was probably October, November. And, and to me, I was like kind of late for the on cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I am, I was more of a, uh, a veteran at that point. And I know that a lot of the on-cycle firms, they just want, um, somebody with two years banking ready to do two and two and either go up or go out. So mm-hmm. to me, it didn't really, uh, it looked like that to be a more difficult climb, but at the same time, I wanted to be at a firm that really valued my operations experience. Right. And, and that I wasn't going to, um, just apply financial engineering to my role. I was looking for a job that would value all of my consulting experience and then allow me to perfect, you know, my, my new investment skill set. How did um, so you I find, feel- did you find, did you seek out those specific firms or were you just doing the more blanket blast, just talk to everybody and anybody in the space and, you know, try to sell that experience? Like, were you specifically targeting those firms that, that kind of at least, at least preach, preach the operational focus? Yes, absolutely. So I was definitely looking for smaller ones because I knew that the associate role was typically or more often a, uh, a blended role and it wasn't just an investing and hopefully they wouldn't have outsourced consultants and they wouldn't have an in-house due diligence team and the, and they would appreciate that their associate would have the capability of performing due diligence himself. Got it. Okay. So yeah, tell me how you, so keep going. I'm curious how it, how it evolved. Yeah. So, um, so I was constantly throughout this entire process, just like reaching out cold, um, emailing and, and cold LinkedIn messaging contacts that were, second degree, um, you know, when I could getting a connection with, um, through friends or through other contacts. So that was always like one phase that was always rolling. The second was, um, meeting and reaching out to all the recruiting firms, every give, single give one. Give me some numbers in terms of number of people you were, you were talking to per week or so or per, per day. Um, so I would say over the past 10 weeks, I probably spoke to like 50 to maybe a little more than 10 weeks. I probably spoke to 50 or 60 people. So I would say I tried to have like three to four calls a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So I was just reaching out and, and I would say that those cold emails 
um, probably got a hit rate of 20%, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 20%. And I only okay. reached out to university alumni or, uh, or my firm's alumni. So, mm-hmm. you know, always focus on them or else people are less likely to actually answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was helpful. I mean, I actually did it. Uh, so I used your, your uh, company database and, you know, you have Good. like 10,000 lines in there. So I would only, I would filter on anybody you, you had their email, right? Or else it was, to me, it was less helpful. And yeah. so I, I went through a list of like 500 firms that you had their email and they weren't a mega cat. Um, and I would go on LinkedIn and search that firm, overlay my school and my firm, right, as alumni. And then now I had the email of all these people on LinkedIn who, um, who were either, you know, related to me through school or related to me through um, my firm. And then I would send them a cold email just asking for 10, 15 minutes of their time. Um, and, and, you know, you never ask for more than that because they don't really want to give more than that. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's kind of how the process went. And that's um, that, that really helped me build my chops, like with interviewing and and just not being afraid to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And so tell me, like, so you said about 20 percent hit rate on those, uh, like from cold emails to, to calls. So you got on, on enough calls, like you said, 50 calls or, or so. Yeah. So like you were talking to a lot of people, um, was there a specific like set and break or there a couple processes you got put into because of this? Um, yeah. So I did get put into one process through this. Um, I think it showed me that the cold emailing can be effective, but, um, I got most of my processes through, um, first degree connections who I already knew beforehand or, uh, through recruiters, okay. um, recruiters, go yep. ahead. Yeah. Tell me about recruiters. Tell me about yeah. That. Recruiters. I reached out to all of them too. reached out to associates. I would work my way up the ladder until, um, you know, they, they would schedule an in-person appointment with me because I wanted to meet them in person and show up and show that, you know, I wasn't just this, um, new investment banking analyst. I was a seasoned professional, right? I yep. had experience. I was a veteran and I could, uh, really impress the firms that they connected me with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it worked pretty well. I mean, probably from, from recruiters, I got a decent chunk of interviews, at least first round. And, um, and yeah, you know, even some, I went to the second, so it was pretty good. You knew those, those meetings uh, with the recruiters was like a critical interview for you to, to show them that you kind of knew exactly why PE type of firm you were looking for all of that good stuff. Um, exactly. Or else, or else you just kind of get typecasted. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was, I realized in the first um, you know, reach out, you know, they only kind of slotted me for due diligence roles. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, of course, it's, I mean, they have to make their money and they have to, <laughs> they have to match you up to where they think you were, where uh, standards say that you'll excel and a consultant and in, into a due diligence slot is, is very similar. Um, and it's a very applicable background. So I get that, but I felt that meeting them in person and, and this helped uh, meeting them in person allowed me to really tell my story the way I wanted it to be told. Right. Okay, cool. So it worked. They actually started putting you um, in some processes for investing roles. And then, uh, and then what did you strike out? Did you get to the final round and the first one and, and get the do- get the offer? How did it work? No, I, I mean, I probably from recruiters, I probably got about like uh, seven or eight first rounds. Really um, probably, yeah, yeah. And this was off cycle. And, and these were people, you know, who, um, you know, just kind of worked out that way. I don't think it would have been as successful on cycle for a consultant, but mm-hmm. um, I would say overall between recruiters, um, and then also first degree connections. I probably had about 15 first rounds or meet and greets, even like getting coffee with, you know, the associate or something. Yeah. And then, you know, probably went out the later rounds with around five. 
Yeah, four, really four, and then two offers, or rather two final rounds and one offer. That's great. And then um, in terms of the, let's start with the, the, after the first round, so the four kind of ones that you went kind of a little bit further after that first round. Tell me what those, those interviews were like. Were they all on site? Yeah, they were, they were on site. Mm-hmm. Um, one had a take-home model beforehand, so you had to kind of pass the model. And if, if that was good, then you, you came in and kind of walked them through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was helpful, you know, just going back to your course and kind of the take-home model, right, and, and saying, okay, um, you know, I can build this and I can make it look right. And it, you can pass all the tests for the industry. So, so mm-hmm. that was helpful. Um, you know, they did, I, I found that they grilled me a lot on just like financial, like brain teasers. Um, you know, it was like, you know, if X happens on the income statement, how does that affect cash flow and balance sheet? A lot of questions like that, or were just kind of like mental math. They wanted to like make sure that, you know, my mind thought in numbers. And of course I was a math major, so that didn't really, uh, <laughs> really slow me down. That's great. Yeah. I figured as like with the consulting background, they probably were like, okay, hey, does this kid understand accounting and financial statements and stuff? They, they you probably got grilled a little bit harder than the typical um, investment banking candidate. Um, okay. So uh, fair enough. So you kind of got into the four kind of, I'll call it middle rounds, two final rounds. Tell me about the final rounds. Was it, uh, was it really intense? Were you meeting like 10 people? Um, you know, you said you had that one take home. Was it, were there any kind of onsite LBO modeling tests you did? No, I didn't have any onsite. Cool. I just had one take home. I mean, I only got to the, and that was one of the finals and the other, yeah. um, there was no, there was no modeling test, which I thought was interesting. Just kind of like talking through an LBO, but mm-hmm. I think that firm, um, where I did interview with quite a few folks, about six folks, um, they just assumed that I could learn the modeling and they were really more more focused on like how I thought and and kind of relaying my project experience and how it's relevant. Interesting. And were they interviewing other consultants or do, do you know, or were you kind of the only one with this type of background in the process or you, you had no idea? Yeah. You know, I didn't ask that. I didn't really yeah. want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that I was the only consultant. So I would yeah. be uh, kind of standing out from the bankers. Okay. And so tell me kind of when was the, how it all went down. So you had the two final rounds, the one offer, um, when they made you the offer, was it, um, do you mind sharing kind of range of, of comp in terms of like how they structured it? Um, yeah, sure. So the, yeah. so that was the one I just told you about that, uh, that interview that was not really financially focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, I didn't get an offer for the other one. I had the final round over uh, zoom actually, mm-hmm. uh, because we were in quarantine. Wow. Um, this so is really recent. This is really, recent. yeah, that was like two weeks yeah. ago. Okay. Um, wow. Congrats. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. So went through that. Um, it was, it was, it was interesting. I definitely used your database of salaries just to kind of get a, a feel on what to expect going in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this range was 115 to 135 base, mm-hmm. um, which, which was pretty standard and, you know, it was a smaller firm. So I got a little piece of the carry as well with hopefully right. a cash bonus based on performance. That's awesome. Little carry. Awesome. Very little carry. Yeah, very little. But it, hey, almost like it's, it's actually, not even it's not even a percent. So. It used to yeah. not even be uh, offered to pre MBAs. So this is a smaller firm, so it kind of made sense. Yeah, very cool. Well, very exciting, man. Very exciting. Are you? Um, when do you end up starting there in the summer? If if you can go into work, assuming. Yeah. So apparently it should be July first, but you know, of course, if there's a quarantine or stay at home still happening, then probably august 1st maybe september 1st hopefully not though 
have you given notice to your consulting firm? No, I won't do that till two weeks before. Okay. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, well, actually I thought about taking a, a trip or, you know, ex, you know yeah, doing some sort of extravagant trip, but right now I'm not leaving my bedroom. So, you know, where am I going to go with all this happening? Fair. Fair. Um, anything else you'd like to share before we call it to the younger listeners or to the other consultants that are trying to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I think, uh, younger listeners, you have, you have a lot of ways to go. Um, I would say don't, don't try and plan out your whole career. Uh, just, you know, just keep taking it one step at a time. And if you loosely know what you want to do, that's good enough right now as an undergrad. Um, but I would say for consultants looking to make this, this jump, just know it is a grind. It is, um, a pure, I think a numbers game, unless you have a, a very, very solid connection that can get you right in mm-hmm. and just be prepared that this is a bit of a, a second job, right? For a little while, just trying to break into finance, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. And, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm happy to always take, uh, some DMS and, and give any advice as, as this moves along. Great. And did we have you as a mentor? I can't remember if you joined as a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a, ask me anything up right now. So. so awesome. Yeah. So M strat will have an AMA up and, um, if you want them as a mentor, you can, you know where to find them. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time um, out of your busy quarantine life. <laughs> I could go another hour, you know? No, <laughs> Let's just chat about sports that don't exist now. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, this should go up in a few weeks. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Really appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it. Congrats. Have a good one. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.